Hey everybody, so this week we're going to do something slightly different because the Saints didn't have a game on Sunday. So instead of doing a game recap, obviously, we talked to Scott from the Falcons podcast uh, for long enough to where we're going to split it up into a two-parter. So today you're going to get part one of the Saints-Falcons preview, otherwise known as Fuck the Falcons Week. And then tomorrow you'll get Pickums, and then on Friday, as usual, you'll get the part two of the Saints Falcons preview. Enjoy. What's up, Houdat Nation, and welcome to the Dome Patrol Podcast. Yeah, what's up, Buddha Nation? Thanks for joining us on the Dome Patrol Podcast. This is the official Saints podcast of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Jeff. And on this episode, we have Scott Kennedy from the Falcons Podcast to talk about our first matchup against NFC South rivals, the four and six Atlanta Falcons, who are one game behind the five and five New Orleans Saints. Scott also covers a few other teams for the NFL. But for the sake of today's episode, we're going to focus on previewing the Saints Falcons game sunday at noon central time so put your seatbelts on keep your hands and legs inside your earbuds at all times and enjoy the show scott welcome to the dome patrol podcast experience and we'll promise not to let this get too uh ugly between the uh saints falcons jeff i don't think you have to worry about that i, I think i posted today it's hard to trash talk an atlanta falcons fan because there's nothing you could say that would hurt them more than the Atlanta Falcons have hurt them themselves. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, it's like, what, what are you going to do to me after 28, three, you can't hurt me anymore. They've already <laughs> ripped my heart out. I'm done. Right. <laughs> well, all right. Good. Well, so we'll, we'll avoid saying 28, three, any more times than the times we just said it. I can't uh, promise anything. I, uh, <laughs> I will avoid it. But Jason and right. And Wesley is a whole nother story. Uh, no, and, and so yeah, there's no, there's, there, I mean, look, there's no love lost between. I don't the think either one, any fan base has a lot of pride right now, and just and, waiting to see what we're going to do this weekend. Right. Neither I think there's kind of they're kind of on the, the same where... uh, wavelength here, where it's like both teams are basically looking internally, saying, "Man, what the hell is wrong? Why, why do we stink?" And and no mm -hmm. offense to Saints fans, but the Saints can't be happy Fence sitting taking. at five and five with the way they've been playing. And I know the Falcons fans are pissed. So this bye week kind of came at a good time where you can reset, focus on a common enemy, and then after the game, somebody's going to be a little happier at least, and then the other one's going to turn back into we got to start firing some people. It's good. To, to be fair, there are Saints games that we've won this year where we left not happy, wondering well, we, we, how we could fire somebody. <laughs> we could win and still ask those questions. I think the problem that this week is going to give is that right, both teams are going to get up for this because it's the game that it is. And the team that wins, the fan base is going to be fooled again. You know, kind of like how we felt after we uh, shut out who was earlier in the season. New England. Yeah. And we thought, oh, it's it, we got it. Oh, we put it. It's, it's all put together. The, the train's on the tracks. Here we go. And then we come and shit the bed the next week. So <laughs> I think this game is going to be a foolish game where both teams are going to play top notch, best they can play. It's going to I think it's going to be close as it always sometimes is. Uh, always sometimes <laughs> i forget the show 50 percent of the time it works every time that's right uh i think it's going to be a close game i think it's going to be a a barn burner if you will of yeah. and then the, the 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 fan base that of the winning team is just going to walk away from this thinking that they've got it put together and only for setting themselves up for utter disappointment the following week 
another commonality these two fan bases have right now is whether correct or not, both of us believe we have good enough players to win the division and be competitive with most teams in the NFL, but we have coaching staffs that are dragging us down and need to be completely fired. Um, I think both, both teams, again, maybe we're both wrong and we don't have the right players and our players aren't as good as we have in our head, but we all agree that the coaching staffs are underperforming and not putting players in the, the best position to win. Do you agree with that, Scott? Absolutely. Uh, I know I would agree with the statement that that's what the Atlanta Falcons fans feel for sure. The uh, and, and where Arthur Smith does not get a pass in this is, well, you know, well, he doesn't have the quarterback that he needs to run a system. Well, guess what? He's basically co-general manager with former New Orleans Saints, uh, Terry Fontenot. So his fingerprints are all over this team. You don't get a pass for this. When you are arrogant enough or naive enough, however you want to look at it, to stick with a 36-year-old aging Matt Ryan and not address the quarterback position when you're sitting there in the top five position and Justin Fields on the board, and then think that you're going to get it right with a third-round pick, the odds of that happening are pretty slim, and to ignore the quarterback position and then bank your job basically on the, the, the third-round pick, well, your ass is on the line. And that's, that's on Arthur Smith. In the past, I would have given Mike Smith a pass because uh, Terry uh, Thomas Dimitrov ignored the defense. I gave Dan Quinn a pass because Thomas Dimitrov, let's see, how do I put this, ignored the defense. <laughs> so that's not the same. It's, this isn't the same thing. Arthur Smith's fingerprints are all over this team. He doesn't get a pass for lack of personnel. One thing that's pretty wild with Smith, and this is coming from a Bijan Robinson fantasy owner, is what's going on? You invest a top 10 pick in this guy, and he's just not getting the carries that I thought he would have at this point because he seems incredibly dynamic. I said when he was drafted, he, every game that he's healthy, he would lead the team in touches, and I think that's still been true. So he, they, there was this you know concussion gate thing. No one actually ever said it. He had headaches, and all of a sudden, you know, the Falcons are being investigated for – why did you not disclose an injury on this? And then the next week, he's still kind of limited. And then after that, you know, he gets 20 plus carries. So there's, there was trying to force feed Bajan Robinson a little bit early where it was pretty obvious. Hey, third and one, well, let's just key on this guy, bracket him on both sides and you'll stop him. And then, then he was out. He was out and, and was a almost a healthy scratch and there's just something that was going on there that the more they tried to blow it off the weirder it got and you know again when you have a top 10 pick in Kyle Pitts you've got a top 10 pick in uh in Drake London you've got a top 10 pick in Bijan Robinson you've got all your money tied up in the offensive line and you've gone backwards on defense you got a problem when your head coach is the offensive coordinator you've got a problem I do want to uh, bring up Kyle Pitts, but one last thing on Arthur Smith, and I don't know if this is a normal thing or just – I don't watch Falcons games from start to finish. I, uh, I'm watching Red Zone, and I catch the end of them, and he has this classic. I've seen it so many times this year of they get a turnover or give up a touchdown late in the game to lose, and he just has this look on his face that it's a, oh, shit, we're going to lose this game. And you can see him just kind of like this calm come over him, and it's just – it's weird because I see him animated a lot, and then it's there's somewhere with a couple minutes left that he – you can just see him kind of deflate, and he's, he's not looking – he looks like he's staring into space. He's not talking to anybody around him. He's just like, yep, well, we just lost another one. Is that normal, or, or is that only happening at the end of the game when, I, that, when I'm watching? There's a lot of criticisms. That's not one I have picked up on okay. or ever heard before. Um, 
That, so that that's a new one. Uh, the, the, what you basically just described was every Falcons fan in existence. Whenever anything goes wrong in the fourth quarter was here we go again. I mean, we, we turned falconing into a verb around here. It, it really is like, yeah, again, we, we use it I mean, it's it's a funny thing that obviously there's the, the 28 to three and all that giving up a lead. But there really has become a thing about losing a game in the last five minutes, getting a lead and then blowing the lead over the course of the fourth quarter that. I mean, it's now like a serious reputation. You've gone through multiple coaches and multiple sets of players, and it's still is. Is there something going on that describe that, or is it, is it in there? I don't think we have enough time in this podcast to get into that. But I'll, <laughs> I'll just basically go back to what I said: Mike Smith and Thomas Dimitrov. Thomas Dimitrov, going back when the Falcons were good. You know, the golden age was when it has been the last twenty years, basically, except for the last you know six. I mean, we're talking about a team that didn't have back-to-back winning seasons in its existence for 45 years until Arthur Blank bought the team. That was a professional sports record of team with back-to-back winning seasons. Oh, wow. So then they ended up starting winning some games. Then they'd go up against some heavyweights, and, and, and Thomas Dimitrov basically treated the team like it was a flag football team, and he was the agent of the quarterback. Oh, all we need is skill players. So you load up on skill players and not on the offensive line, and your defense is – well, I hired a defensive coach. What do I need defensive players for? So when you need to close out a game, you can't run the ball and you can't stop anybody. And you wonder why you're you're losing close games in the end. That's why. So that's what it's boiled down to yeah. uh, over the course of the last 20 years when you see this. But they've won their share of those close games because they had Matt Ryan and they got one of the best kickers in the league. So is 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 he a worse owner than Al Davis as far as controlling who you're going to draft and drafting skill players? Oh, no. Arthur Blank, <laughs> if Arthur Blank has a problem, it's more of he sticks with a guy a year too long. And that's yeah. why people are Royalty. actually afraid. You know, they thought that Arthur Smith might get canned during the bye week after that loss to Arizona. I'm like, no, it ain't going to happen. I'm like, his fate may have been sealed, but most of the guys have gotten at least a year too long that he has kept. So he's loyal to a fault. And dude, I, I grew up with the, with the Smith family with Rankin Smith, senior and junior, you know, for me, Arthur Blank's still a dream. At least he'll put resources into the team um, and into the, I, I, I'm a college football guy at heart sometimes into the program. You know, I, I never got the feeling that he doesn't, doesn't want to win. Which is, yeah. Like, what's his motivation? Smith just didn't care. Is, is his motivation to build a winning, like a, he wants a, a ring or is his motivation to keep selling tickets? No, he is a billionaire and he's in his 80s. He wants to win. And mm-hmm. it's criminal how much of it just doesn't know how Arthur Blank's money that Thomas Dimitrov wasted. You know, <laughs> was it 90 million dollars in dead cap money last year? Yeah. You know, 90 million. Um, that's, you know, boy, I wish I could have a job where I could lose 90 million lose half the company's available resources and get an extension make a couple that's million for it more... be, sign me yeah. up I, I could i could do that that's why I'm, y'all I'm sure. signed, that's why y'all brought terry fontenot over there because he's using loomis math to get you out of that hole <laughs> yeah we're used to dead cat money <laughs> yeah well it, it is they they had to dig it's out part of the equation I, I thought arthur smith and terry fontenot did a great job the last two years with a threadbare roster to be able to eke out seven wins be competitive right yeah, and then yeah. for the most part, you look at the offense. The offense is set personnel-wise. Then they went and put all of their money into the defensive side of the ball. The problem is they still cannot rush the passer. So, again, I'll go back to Arthur Smith and, and personnel. You're, you're in year three of your tenure, and you still have questions at quarterback to the point where this week, who's going to start? 
Um, it was, it was obviously going to be Ritter if you pay attention to the team yeah. uh, and you still have zero pass rush. Well, that's probably the two most important factors in winning a football game, you know, other than, you know, turnovers that, that comes up. But I mean, sustainability on winning is, can you pass? Can you get to the passer? Well, no and no. And we're in year well, three here. That's a problem. Um, am this I the only Desmond one Ritter seeing similarities here? Oh, yeah. No, it's very similar to, to what the Saints are yeah. doing. We're Desmond Ritter's got plenty of time. Long. We will get no pressure on him. Don't worry yeah, about that. Zero pressure. Yeah. I mean, having said that, my experience with Desmond Ritter is he doesn't really need pressure to be inaccurate with the football. So I'm not sure if that's uh, that's necess- necessary with him. So I... Uh, Desmond Ritter is just about, again, just don't lose it. That's that's where the, this team is good enough that just don't lose it. Hand, hand this it to team, Bijan. Let me, say, let me let me refuse. Let mm-hmm. me rephrase. This team has enough talent on both sides of the ball that you just basically need your quarterback. Oh my god, a game manager. That's such a bad word. Well, so, you know what? A game manager wouldn't have seven turnovers in three games, and you'd probably be three and zero with average quarterback play. And I'm not talking about spectacular. I'm talking about average quarterback yeah, yeah. play. We're, this team is at worst seven and three instead of four and six. At worst. Yeah, the yeah, Falcons if we had, if we had are that twice as likely. <laughs> yeah, twi- Falcons are twice as likely to turn the ball over per drive than the Saints entering this game. Fourteen percent of your drives have resulted in an offensive turnover. Ooh. Saints are eight percent. And so, there you go. You ask, how has this team regressed? Why have they regressed when their personnel is so much better than the back-to-back seven-win teams? Last year they were the least penalized team in the NFL. This year they're, I think, bottom five. You get the Falcons inside the ten-yard line. At first and goal, just set your watch. You can go ahead and just start playing for your first and, and 13 game. Because they it's, it's a five-yard penalty or a holding. Are they deserved, or is it the NFL has finally taken their eye off of us? and is, is, <laughs> I, I think there's, still... there's some of it. I, I've seen this, but it's not just the Falcons. I've seen tight ends and, and pulling guards come up with beautiful. I've got my hands inside your shoulder pads. I push you back, turn you, and bury you in a just beautiful textbook uh, block and they're being called holding. I've seen it happen on two different teams. Uh, so not just the Falcons, like that's not holding. That is textbook. What the hell are you looking at? So false starts, no excuse. You know, that's, that, that's, we, we, we do that a lot. There's those, those yep. problems, yeah. but uh, you know, We're the holding can be a little subjective, but you know, when you have a false start penalty or a, you know, a le- any kind of illegal procedure, you know, that's, that's on discipline and I'm, I'm no coach. I, I have no idea. How do you, how do you stop getting a guy to do that besides just replacing his ass? And that's not going to happen because there's, there's too much investment in, you know, and, and overall the Falcons offensive line right. is pretty good. Right. Except and for the guy behind him isn't necessarily on, better. Right. In the red zone, um, you know, Desmond Ritter's okay. Except all those damn turnovers, you know, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I know we supposed to, we do want to talk some specifics about how like Saints and Falcons <laughs> matchups, but you brought up Kyle Pitts and we talk about Kyle Pitts semi regularly on the show because I, I think that looking at him, watching him move on a football field, looking at his size and everything that he does, he looks like the prototypical like football player you would build to go be a mixture of wide receiver, tight end, and just be a beast. And he isn't the best tight end on his team this year. Like John U. Smith has been outperforming him. And for years, like we've joked about the Saints having a, an undrafted tight end has had more touchdowns each of the last few years than 
um, Kyle Pitts has had. Um, is when does it start? Like, okay, you got all the look and it's just not working. Like, when does he start? I mean, he's got to be getting close to being a bust with as high as he was drafted, right? And what he's actually put on the field. To, to this point, you would absolutely say that. Um, but then his his, his uh, defenders would say, well, you know, he was a Pro Bowler and a thousand yard a thousand yard receiver when he had a quarterback in in uh, in Matt Ryan. So you call him a tight end, but he's not. Uh, 80% of his snaps have either come out wide out or slot receiver. Wait till 80. he gets franchise tagged. He's going to want to be a wide receiver. <laughs> Absolutely. 80%. <laughs> and he's going to be pissed if he gets franchise tagged if the Falcons don't start winning, which is why it was stupid to take a pass-catching tight end <laughs> when you had no quarterback or offensive line in 2021. But I digress. My concern is when he's out wide. I always used to say I love the big receivers. In fact, I, I still say that. I'm a, I'm a My bias, I, I like the bigger receivers. They're always open. However, Watching Kyle Pitts continually get missed, he's not creating separation against defensive backs because he's just, while he's smooth and he's long, he's beautiful, he's not shifty in any stretch of the imagination. And I I, I like those big guys because you can always throw them open. However, if you underthrow or overthrow a guy like that, you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because he's got to either come back through the defensive back or he has no chance on it. So you still at least have to get it, not necessarily, it's not high-low, but I got to drop it in on him. I still have to have some semblance of accuracy. He's played with Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. And he's played with Desmond Ritter <laughs> in the last two years after going for Matt Ryan. Now, you give me Drew Brees, you give me a Matt Ryan, and he's a 1,000-yard receiver again. That said, when he's out wide, how is he matching up? He, I saw him, I felt like this last game, he was blocking better and blocking more. If I drop him down in as a legitimate tight end, but he's 245 pounds at six foot six, you know, I don't want him blocking Cam Jordan. And, and we, we joked at the time, you know, Cam Jordan made a comment about Kyle Pitts when he was drafted. I'm like, well, it's never going to come to that because Kyle Pitts isn't being drafted to block Cam Jordan. So who really cares? But he's, he's got to be at least enough of a blocking threat to be in there and not just be a total tell. I've said on the negative side of things, I'm really starting to get some OJ Howard vibes on this guy. OJ Howard That's was not a one of the best, no. the best pass catching prospect I used to do high school recruiting I ever saw. For one reason or another, it never came together for him at Alabama. It didn't really come together for him at Tampa Bay. Is this the guy that is just, you know, the, the old phrase, you know, Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, you know, the the, the coach killing type who I'm going to be the one to unlock Kyle Pitts. <laughs> He's 23 years old. He's still all of the reasons why you would want him in the, as high as you did. He's still just a freak of an athlete. But does he want it? Does he have that that killer, that killer instinct that you need to really take it to the next level? And you've got to get a quarterback that can be can throw the ball more accurately to him because if you over or under throw a guy size doesn't matter anymore probably draft a quarterback the year that his contract runs out and he moves on to another team well which is like i said i've said it once i've said it on this show i've said it a zillion times i was flabbergasted when they made that pick with that team it made sense okay this is our long-term julio jones replacement because it wasn't public at the time that julio jones wanted out um, you know, but and, and what just drove me crazy was, oh, well, this is a win now move. This is a win now move for the Atlanta Falcons. Are you joking? 
Their offensive line's a travesty. Their quarterback is creaky. And we don't even want to talk about the defense. And this is a win-now move. You guys are out your freaking minds. Learning. Very shut up. Okay. All right, so that is the end of part one. Don't forget, we're going to release part two of our conversation with Scott on Friday. Tomorrow is Pick'em's. In the meantime, that's all the show we have for you right now. We're going to thank our loyal listeners for downloading each week and telling all of your friends about the Dome Patrol podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dome Patrol Podcast. We're also on X at Dome Patrol PCAST and at Dome Patrol UK. If you want to participate in game day chat, send us a DM on X and we'll give you an invitation to join the Discord server for Dome Patrol Podcast. And then don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. Give each episode a five-star rating, comment, set up auto-downloads so you can listen to the Dome Patrol Podcast anytime, even when you're not online. Don't Patrol podcast is the official Saints podcast of the Fans First Sports Network.